Hello friends, I'm Amanda Barr. And I'm Rebecca Lou Brennan, and welcome to Dance Principles United, the podcast. Together, we are passionate about helping studio owners with the business of running their studio. Join us as we talk everything from marketing systems, studio culture, motherhood, life, and everything in between. This is the Dance Principles United podcast. Hi, friends, and welcome to a very special episode of the Dance Principles United podcast. I am here with the beautiful Beck. Happy Wednesday, Beck. How are you doing, my love? I am so awesome, and um, I'm super excited because we've got some pretty incredible news to tell you all. Absolutely. We're celebrating today because we have hit 25,000 downloads of the podcast. Oh my God, that is absolutely incredible. And we want to thank you all for your support of our podcast. It's so lovely, right? Yeah, it's crazy. We see so many people like even uh, when we had Expo and they're like, we listen to the podcast all the time. And I think, you know, we don't realize how many of you are out there listening to us, which is which is really special. It makes us feel amazing. And we hope that we're helping lots of you, which is why we do it really. Absolutely. It's this weird thing, right? Because when you're podcasting, we're sitting here on Zoom, um, you know, doing it to each other. We're like putting it out into the world. Is anyone actually listening to this? You know, like, don't you have those moments? Like, I'm doing this work. Is anyone actually listening to this? But yeah, when Nathan told us the other day we'd hit 25,000 podcast downloads. Oh, my God. Yeah, crazy. I don't, I, yeah, can't believe it. But thank you so much, guys. We're so pumped. And so we put out there that if we did hit those 25,000, that we would let you guys ask us some questions. So um, we've got a few really cool questions that we will answer for you guys right now. Bit scary. We had a couple of questions come through on the Instagram. We said, ask us anything, um, you know, and we thought we'd just put it out there as a, you know, a special edition um, of the Dance Principles United podcast. Um, which is so great. So shall we get stuck into it? What do you reckon? Absolutely. Let's get stuck in. <laughs> okay. So first question that came through, and thank you so much to everyone that sent um, questions through. It's so lovely um, through our Instagram, which was so, so nice. So first question, how many enrolments uh, did your schools have at your peak? You'd be in a peak right now, right? Yeah, we are at our peak, I think. We're sitting at just over 600 kids at our school. Um, But I think more importantly is how many class placements you have. This is something we've been working on with our tribe members and SGC members, right? Um, So Mm. at my school, I know because my head of admin checks in with me every single week as to all of our numbers, uh, and we're sitting at 1,872 class placements. That's exact. (laughs) Well, I am exact. And, you know, Mm. I think it's really important that if you guys don't know your numbers, you need to know your numbers. Nathan will love me saying this, but you need need to know how many kids you have. That's a great thing to have, okay? But you can have 600 kids and you can have 600 class placements and that business is not going to be making anywhere near as much as if you're having the 1,800 class placements. So you want that class placement to be around each child doing three classes if possible, right, Amanda? Yeah, as an average kind of thing. So if you're looking at your class placements, you know, if... uh, You've got five students and little Susie does one class. You know, uh, John does two classes. Um, uh, Let's find some more names. Belly (laughs) does four classes. (laughs) And so, you know, whatever. And then you add up how many classes you are together. You have five students taking, I didn't add those numbers up, but let's say, you know, 12 class placements. That's how you work out those numbers. So uh, it's a really important number to know, right? 
Yeah, it's so important. And I think it is a game changer. And I think if you work really hard at this, you can end up making sure that you can, you can advertise within, you can get your kids doing more classes, and then you can up your income already without even advertising outside of your school. And that's one of the big things that, that we teach in Tribe and SJC. But you way exceeded that, right? We did, but we have uh, different studios as well, um, quite different studios. Um, you know, our peak was probably maybe two years ago or something like that um, before I sold Dan Sensations. I think our peak was about 815 or so students um, doing about oh, just under 3,000 class placements a week, um, which was huge. We were so happy with that. Like uh, Beck, you know, has a, uh, you probably have a higher class average than I do. Um, you know, my class average is kind of around that four mark. You're probably a little bit higher than that uh, because sometimes that's what matters, right? It's not actually the amount of students, but the amount of class placements you've got going. Right, exactly. And, you know, we talked about SGC and tribe members about this all the time, but if you can just up those class placements, if you can get those kids maybe doing two or three classes, it like can pretty much double or triple your income if you work really hard at it. And mm. they're already your fans, you know, they're already in your premises, they're already doing those classes. So I think that you can really work on that as a studio. And um, yeah, you're right, Amanda, it's not always about how many kids you have, but how many classes they're doing. Absolutely. And, you know, it's actually something uh, we've had a new intake of Studio Growth Club members and it was something that we got them to all work out recently um, was what is your average class placements um, per student? You know, is it 1.2? Is it, you know, 3.4? Whatever. But finding that number and working out that number is so, so important so you know it and then you can try and move it up because even just moving it up by, you know, like 0.5, um, 0.5 or anything like that, it actually drastically changes things in your studio. So if you don't know that number, make sure you check it out, try and work it out. And, you know, your goal when you're working on re-enrollment is to take it up just that little bit, right? And just try and add, you know, and it's so important to know because that's how you can, we're so getting off topic, but, <laughs> um, you know, things that we start talking about. Um, but if you need to get yours from one to two, then, you know, the plan is to really make sure you're um, bundling two classes together and putting them nice and close to each other. However, if your goal is to, uh, to get from four to five, you're going to work out that structure of your timetable slightly differently. So really making sure you're focusing on that is so, so beneficial. But yeah, like Beck and I both have big studios, right? Um, and that's the studio of our dreams. And I think that's so important is knowing that that's what we wanted to build in our studios. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that that doesn't mean it's the studio of your dreams. And I know lots of successful studios that don't have big student numbers, but that have a really elite kind of studio and the kids are doing everything and doing big comps. And so, you know, you you design what you want to design and um, and be proud of that. Absolutely. And it's got to also work in with your life, right? You know, you might um, just love teaching dance and teaching you know, 100 kids might be just your absolute goal because it gives you a really great work-life balance and that might be your goal as well. So, you know, yes, our studios both got really, really big um, and we're super proud of that, but that was the type of studio we wanted to build and each to their own, right? Absolutely, absolutely. All right, so what's our next question, Amanda? Um, next one that I really liked was um, what events do you find the best to build community in your studio? So many. I'm so big on this. I think it's so important. Look, 
a lot of our members and, and I do this as well, just do events within the studio. So I've seen a lot of people, I'm sure you have too at the moment because it's nearly Halloween, doing Halloween week and dressing up and the teachers get involved. And I think that's super cute. Um, mm. But then people go all out as well. So one of the events that I do is a huge Easter picnic um, down at the river. We invite all our families down there. The Easter bunny comes. We do sack races and egg and spoon races and go on a scavenger hunt and it is such an awesome day uh, and I think that builds community um, and Amanda I know you did lots of like troops going away and stuff like that. Absolutely so we you know would do um, you know comp weekends away or nationals and things like that but like Beck is absolutely the queen of events this is you know I don't do nearly as many incredible events my god your Easter one every year I'm like oh I'm tired just looking at it Beck. <laughs> but I I'm going to like go against the grain a little bit um, and say that events are fantastic and you should definitely be doing events, but it's not always the event itself that changes and grows the community in your studio or the culture in your studio. It's your teachers, your team, your staff and you and how you connect with that community. So running um, a huge Easter event or a great Halloween event doesn't do anything if your teachers are not connecting with your clients who are the parents, not the students. If they're not creating that amazing culture through um, through conversations, whether that's an online conversation through an app like Band or in person after class, um, you know, to me, it's all about the connections that you're building because it doesn't matter how great the event is. If you're not chatting to the parents, it's not going to work, right? Yep, totally agree. And I think we forget that sometimes. And then we wonder why students leave at the end of the year. And the kids might be having the best time possible in class. But if parents don't feel the connection, if parents don't feel like they're getting value from what those kids are doing, then it's easily disposable. And I think that's the key as well, is making sure that you are including those parents, like Amanda said, just in conversations. You know, just chatting to them, letting them see on band what the kids are doing in class and how much fun the kids are having because most of the time they're not in the class so they don't see it. I always think about um, sport here, Amanda, and I'm like, you know, the parents are on the football field with the kids watching them. They watch Absolutely. them train. They, they see that side of things. But with dance, it's all behind closed doors most of the time and so they're not seeing that. And so that's why it's so important for us to share those moments. Absolutely. I love that so much, that analogy on sport. Um, and, you know, all schools these days have those connections. You know, we've got an app. I get messages home from the teachers every single day from our school. Um, I get photos from their schoolwork. I get updates on how my children are doing in their class and what they did. So we've got to make sure that we're delivering that as well, uh, you know, through the app if possible. You know, teachers coming out and talking. I think that's the biggest thing is taking the time to make sure that your teachers are coming out after concert to chat to all the parents and tell them what a great job they did. You know, socialising with them at comps, not being like, no parents talk to me. We've all seen, you know, that studio owner, don't talk to me, I'm not, don't talk to you. We've seen that stressed out studio owner at a comp, right? We all know the one. I feel like I've been there myself, to be honest, Amanda, on many occasions. Uh, absolutely. And I think that's the thing, right? Like we all uh, have made mistakes as a studio owner, but it's growing and learning from those mistakes, right? Yeah. Um, so I think there's so many incredible events you could do uh, from weekends away to Halloween events to Easter events to, um, you know, uh, nights in. But I think the important thing is include the parents because the parents are actually 
the customer. Um, and, you know, just, just make sure that whatever the event is, that the conversations are the important thing, the connections, all of that is more the plan. So really focusing on that as well, I think is the key. Hopefully that helps that person asking um, about the events. Love that. Love that. All right. What's our next one? So many questions. I know. So the next person said, um, and I'm not going to say the name, but they said, you know, that they've started a, a new uh, license program um, in their studio um, and they're really struggling to build it. I know you yep. started new programs in your studio um, and you help people build their dance circ programs as well. Yes. So, you know, what are our tips around um, how to, you know, start and get a new program off the ground? Well, do you know what's interesting? And I'm probably going to be a little bit controversial now, Amanda, but I I have you a lot never. of, never. Look, I have a lot of dance cert clients reach out and say this to me, and I've got a meeting with one of them tonight, believe it or not. And um, they say to me that they can't build the program. And then I go onto their Instagram and there's no posts at all about circus being in their school. And then when I generally talk to them, I say, well, you know, what, ads have you put out? Oh, we haven't put any ads out. We posted a couple of times and then we expect the program to just grow. And that's not the case. And you can't expect anything to grow in your studio without consistent marketing. And, you know, I always talk about how I went for, from 30 to 300 preschools. Well, we did that through consistent marketing. And I used to be that studio owner who said, oh, it's just my area. We don't have any preschoolers. Oh, the studio down the road has taken all the preschoolers. Oh, every excuse that we hear all the time, Amanda, and that's not actually the case. The case is you're not consistently marketing and you do have to spend money to make money. Absolutely. I think that's so key. So that consistent marketing, both organically and through paid advertising is absolutely key. You know, I said to um, one of our Studio Growth Club members uh, last night, they were talking about their Instagram and they were struggling uh, with their cheer program. Um, and, you know, whether to have the two Instagram accounts or the one, you know, we're having this full big conversation, right? And, um, you know, to me, I was saying to them, okay, so what percentage is this program of your studio? Um, and I said, so, for example, if it's 20%, 20% of your Instagram posts should be about that specific program. Hmm. However, it's not just about what it is now. It's what do you want it to be? Because if your goal is that new program to be 30% of your studio, then every third post should be about that. And that's how I think is a really good, and that might help some people, like just having that sort of thing. If you want your preschool program to be a third of your studio, which most of us do, that's a good kind of number. Every third post should be about preschool, regardless if it is at 30% at the moment or if it's only at 10%, but you'd really like it to be at 30%. You know, and I think just having those kind of numbers in your head might help some people. Hopefully, let me know if that kind of clicks with you. But yeah, um, I think it's about making sure that you are sharing the love between all the programs um, that you offer and not just always featuring, you know, that high level elite kid that is always at the comp or whatever that is. Exactly. And I think as well, like realizing that organic posting does not work very well anymore. And something that I said to the tribe members a couple of weeks ago when I was on a tutorial with them, Amanda, was um, put your hand up on Zoom if any of you have recently seen the local karate schools posts. 
put your hand up if you've recently seen, you know, the local football posts. Like, no, no one's seeing them unless they're putting money behind it. That's when you see it. So be aware of that. Don't think that you're just posting or you've got things on your story and therefore everyone's going to come to your studio. That's not how the world works. Um, And there's lots of different ways you can advertise. You can put flyers in at schools. You can put flyers at preschools. That works really well. Um, I heard someone say the other day that they're really into, you know, doing a flyer drop in mailboxes at the moment because mailboxes are empty. So, you know, actually putting something in a mailbox could be a good way. But we really know that everyone is on social media. It's the best way to target the right audience and putting spend consistently behind that is the way to go. And it's the way to grow. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hopefully that helps that person um, build their program. And if you're trying to build a program, like self-reflect a little bit on it as well and have a look, you know, have a look at your Instagram grid. How much have you put in ads? What are you doing at the moment? Um, Have a really good look at that, I guess. It would be ideal. All right, next question. I think this one's for me and it's a bit scary. (laughs) The question was, uh, do I miss my studio? Ooh, I'm interested (laughs) to hear this one. I hadn't told Beck that all the questions before we started because I just pulled them off our Instagram. Um, so for those of you who didn't know, I um, sold my studio at the beginning of the year. I haven't actually talked about it much on the podcast. Don't know why. Wasn't quite ready. Not sure. All the things. It's a big emotional thing, right? Like I've had the studio for totally. 20 years. It was part of my identity. Um, or 20, I don't know, 22 years, something ridiculous. And I'm sure so many of you... Um, you know, resonate with that. Like, you know, Miss Amanda is part of my identity. That's what I've always been known as. Um, So I sold my studio earlier in the year. We have been traveling, um, which if you do listen to the podcast, you would know we've been traveling in Thailand for six months. We're back now. um, And we've been back for a couple of weeks. And my kids are back at the studio. So my girls are dancing three days a week. I was messaging Beck yesterday because I was, you know, doing dance mum drop off. Uh, my three girls are dancing uh, five days, six days, actually. I think six days, five days. I don't know. There's a lot of pickups between the three of them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling for that dance mum life. I tell you what. So I guess, do I miss it? Absolutely. I definitely miss parts of my studio. There's no doubt of that. It is very odd walking in there as a dance mum. It would be. A, it would be. <laughs> it's, you know, so different. And I have a great relationship uh, with Ali, who I sold the studio to, um, and all of the staff there. It's all still the staff that were with me, and I have great relationships with them all. So, you know, I want to go in and I want to see how their day was. I want to chat. I want to do all the things. And I am still supporting them, um, you know, through the journey as they're taking over. But, yeah, I absolutely miss parts of my studio, no doubt. I miss, you know, even just being at a comp, like, you know, that kind of stuff, those connections with the kids, that's because that's why we do it, right? Totally, totally. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, missing parts of it, other parts I'm loving, but it's more for me about new challenges because mm-hmm. new challenges with Dance Principles United, with Dance Teacher Expo, uh, new phase of my life, uh, spending, you know, and challenges as well, being like at home, being a mum. Because I'm not used yep. to that. I'm not used to cooking dinner. I'm not used to being <laughs> at home. Dinner is not my forte. <laughs> I tried a Thermomix last night. <laughs> Message me and she was like, I'm up to number 27 of 45 steps and I'm so over this. 
Oh, We're just going to reveal everything on this podcast today. Yes, I was well, messaging Beck going, I think I want to go back to teaching and working nights. I do not want to do Thermomix recipes anymore. <laughs> I thought I I'd give it a go being a housewife, you know. No. Uh, um, I don't think that's our jam, but I don't think that's our jam. <laughs> but things you got to try, right? So I, yeah, yeah, that's a challenge for me. But like, you know, it's a good, it's a new challenge. It doesn't mean it's always great it doesn't mean it's always bad it's just something new so I guess yes I miss my studio parts of it definitely but I am enjoying post-studio life um, as well very much so and the traveling part of it oh that was fantastic yep oh that's so amazing and I think like as you said you know you achieved everything in business that you ever wanted to with your studio and now it's time to achieve new things in business and I guess that's the exciting part about it is making that transition Absolutely. Um, You know, I never imagined I opened the studio and probably we should do a full podcast on this that we haven't. You'll have to let us know if you're listening. Let us know if you want to hear it, because I haven't really shared the story about it. But, you know, I started my studio at 16. Um, I didn't have a chance to do the full Europe trips for long periods of time. I did, you know, short, you know, what can I fit into the summer holidays kind of trips. But I didn't do a lot of things in my 20s that a lot of people did because I was busy building a business. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, having a chance to experience that's important. And as I said, when I started the studio at 16, I never expected it to be what it was going to be. I never expected to have that many kids, to be that bigger studio. Um, you know, at 16, I don't know what I thought. I just wanted to teach <laughs> a couple of kids to dance. Like I hadn't really given it a lot of thought. I thought it was a cool thing to do until I started uni. Like... You know, um, and and that was about it. So, yes, I think that's the big thing, right? Like I achieved everything and more that I would have ever wanted. I think that could be a cool podcast though, like how we started our studios and then how we got to where we are. I think that could be a really cool podcast. For sure. Coming your way. (laughs) Not today though. Do we have any more questions? Is that the last question or there's one more? No, we've got one more. Um, And this is a good one for you, Beck. Uh, How do you juggle mum life, home life, being a studio owner? (laughs) Not very well at the moment. I feel (laughs) like at the moment I am drowning. Um, And look, I don't think it's, it's all the things, right? It's like five kids, studio, Dance Principles United and Dancer. There's just a lot of moving parts and I'm probably... At this time of year, especially when it's concert time and stuff, my kids, I don't see them as much. But the way that I work it in my head, be it right or wrong, Amanda, is I know I've got Christmas holidays coming up where I've got, you know, good solid weeks with them where I will really make the time with them. And I think that's the key. Like when you do have time with them, really making sure that it is quality, good time. Um, But at the moment, I would say that I'm struggling with spending time with them for sure um love the radical honesty in there yeah like I think that's the thing we can sit here and pretend that we've got our shit together all the time (laughs) the reality is we do not we do not (laughs) (laughs) and I think that's so important right like you know we've talked before about this like I think work-life balance is you know a piece of shit really I think it's a crap idea um that doesn't actually work because the reality is is 
there's going to be some days of the week where you're going to be killing it as a mum or maybe some hours of the week where you're killing it as a mum and not being a particularly good business person and vice versa. There's other periods of your life, whether that's hours, days, weeks, terms, years, let's be honest, sometimes where it's the opposite's true, right? Um, yep. You can't be all things. You can't be 100% perfect in every single area of your life at every given time of the day. Something's got to give sometimes and that's okay. Like it's all right to, you know, be juggling all the things and and doing the best we can, right? Totally. And I also want to say like hard work equals success. You know, I I don't know. I used to be, I guess, back in the day when my studio was not growing and not great, Amanda, one of those people who looked at the big studios and, you know, looked at those successful people and thought, oh, they're so lucky. But now I realise it's not actually luck. It is actually hard work. And it does take hard work to build a business and to make a business amazing. And I think, you know, you've got to understand that. And the the time you put into it is worth it if you want to really grow and really be successful. And if you don't want to do that, that's fine. But don't just think that other people just have it handed to them because that's not the case. And I say this Absolutely. all the time to my students, like even every actor you see, every famous person, like they have worked their guts out to get there, you know, mm. like, and I just think that's that's the reality of life. If we want to really make something amazing, we have to work hard. Oh, absolutely. I love that. And, you know, looking at yeah, actors, famous people, incredible entrepreneurs, you know, that's exactly right. They have, um, you know, they've worked their guts out, but usually they've sacrificed something along the way as well. I yep. think that's a big thing as well. Like, you know, and never saying that, you know, you should completely sacrifice any part of your life, whether that was your health, your relationships, your family, your children, you know, you should never, ever sacrifice everything. But some things do take parts of a sacrifice, whether it be for a short period of time or a long period of time, to achieve those goals. And that's okay. It's just a matter of like juggling. And, and as you said, kind of like making it up in different ways. Like to me, yes, I used to work huge hours and not see my kids as much as I wanted. But then I'd school holidays, you know, I'd spend some good amount of time or I'd be able to take them on this incredible holiday that we could afford because I worked my exactly. guts out. You know, there's all of those things um that we can do but I also think you know um I came from a um you know from parents that worked really hard my parents worked really hard I didn't see my parents a lot I didn't see my mom especially a lot she worked huge hours with me as a kid um and um I think that I never remember resenting that I don't resent that now um it was an example for me to work hard mm. and mm. show that and I don't remember ever being without her like it doesn't like I think it's quality time not quantity of time sometimes with your kids as well and when yep. I did see her it was great quality time so that's what I try to make work with my kids so I don't know that's my kind of thought with juggling love that love that mm. and totally agree so if you're out there and you've got concert coming up and you're feeling bad about neglecting your kids don't worry we're all <laughs> in the same boat and we all feel the same way and it's not that long to go guys and then concert will be over and you can have a beautiful christmas with your family so you know just um just keep going and don't let the mother guilt take over Absolutely. We're all just doing the best we can. I think it's yep. like guilt has no place, right? Because it's just, exactly. it, it doesn't help the situation. No. It doesn't change anything. It, 
you know, just adds to your headspace. So just do what you got to do and then move on to the next thing and move fast. Exactly. I think that's the important thing. All right. They are, they are our questions for today. Um, we hope that you enjoyed uh, this honest. Should we go with honest <laughs> podcast? Real. <laughs> this real, real. podcast. <laughs> Um, and I hope you guys got some value out of it. Like, thank you so much uh, for helping us get to those 25,000 downloads. Uh, we are so thankful and so excited uh, for the future. You'll have to let us know, like we're getting ready uh, for a bit of a concert series in the podcast um, and talking about a few things concert wise. We also have some other exciting podcasts coming up, but if you've got anything you want us to chat about, let us know. We want to hear about it. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Reach out. We love answering your questions and uh, we love giving value to you all. So let us know how we can do that. Thanks so much for joining us today, everyone. And we will be doing a next podcast soon. Bye. <laughs> Thanks. Bye.